The debate in Brussels is once again heating up over whether an EU-wide digital services tax could be one of the answers to the economic fallout resulting from the coronavirus. My name's Samuel Stolton and welcome to your Active's Digital Brief podcast, where I'll be looking into this issue further, as well as giving a lowdown on the week's biggest European tech news stories in the world of politics and policy. And this week's edition is sponsored by Facebook. So it's quite refreshing, actually, to start this week's podcast not focusing wholly on uh, coronavirus contact tracing applications. Nonetheless, this is a COVID-19 related story that we begin with today, and we will be touching on apps a bit more later on. This summer, the European Commission is due to propose a new tax package, including three initiatives that build on the executive's fair tax agenda in addition to the broader fight against tax fraud and greater administrative cooperation, the executive will release a communication on good tax governance, and there are some that believe that this should include a section on the importance of establishing a greater taxation of the digital giants. Now, of course, before this happens in the summer, we are waiting for the recovery action plan, or at least the Commission's contribution to the recovery action plan, And uh, rumours in Brussels are that this could indeed include as well a section on potentially this idea of uh, introducing a levy to be imposed on the digital giants doing business in the EU's single market. Of course, one stumbling block of this is agreeing such measures in the Council. Uh, New rules on taxation, of course, require unanimous agreement between member states And we all remember last year how progress on the Commission's proposal for a digital tax regime was stifled uh, by certain member states who who didn't agree with the plans. The difference is this time around, member states may be forced to agree on some sort of a regime for the taxation of digital giants simply by virtue of the fact that their economies will be in such more so much more of a a desperate situation than they were last year. The EU's Economy Commissioner, Paolo Gentiloni, has reiterated um, earlier claims recently that the executive, of course, would prefer to see an agreement at the international level um, within the OECD, who convene next at the beginning of July. But he has said that in the absence of such a global agreement, the Commission has expressed the need for further action at the EU level. That being said, member states themselves, of course, have made um, moves in this regard, uh, particularly countries such as France, Spain, Austria, the UK, Italy as well. Um, Poland's finance minister recently told the Financial Times that a digital levy could be one of the many solutions to the economic fallout that will result Uh, from the coronavirus outbreak in Europe. And interestingly enough, actually, Poland earlier this week um, uh, announced that they will aim to introduce a 1.5% levy on the revenue of streaming platforms, um, including such giants as Netflix and Amazon. So there is a certain sense of confidence, I think, now in, 
in the member states um, in challenging the dominance of these superpowers in the digital world. And MEPs now are starting to speak up as well in terms of uh, the importance of bringing back the digital tax plans to the EU table. Um, I caught up earlier this week with Romania's S&D MEP, Carmen Avram, who spoke about the importance of the digital tax in the context of the recovery fund. And she said to me, if you are looking for some fresh money as part of the recovery fund, here is an idea. Bring back the proposal on an EU digital tax as soon as possible. And Avram would like to see it by the end of the year. And moving on to the subject of, we can never avoid this in the current climate, coronavirus mobile applications. EU interior ministers hailed the potential of contact tracing technologies to potentially curb internal border checks and travel restrictions related to the current public health pandemic earlier this week as part of a meeting between delegations in the Justice and Home Affairs Council. You can read more about that on the Euractiv website. The French government, meanwhile, has been forced to delay the debate and vote in the National Assembly regarding its controversial coronavirus contact tracing app, Stop COVID, following a number of privacy concerns. Uh, however, the private sector has been very forthcoming in France with regards to their involvement in the Stop COVID application. Just today, uh, Orange said that they are in discussions with Apple over developing the country's coronavirus contact tracing app. And that's according to a report from Reuters. Going back to this weekend, and uh, Germany, rather surprising actually for me, changed course over which type of smartphone technology it wanted to use to trace coronavirus infections. Now they are supporting a decentralised protocol for data processing Previously, Germany had been very, very supportive indeed of the PEPPT centralised protocol, but now they've changed course over, quite frankly, the um, the very, uh, very loud and boisterous brouhaha uh, with regards to the scandal surrounding centralised data processing applications for contact tracing. Moving on to the UK now, and of course we're all aware of the country's insistence on adopting a centralised protocol for the transmission and storage of data as part of the operation of coronavirus contact tracing applications. But what was more concerning to me this week was the comments of Matthew Gould, who's the head of NHSX, which is the digital innovation arm of the National Health Service, who said that it would be very useful epidemiologically for later models of the application that the UK is developing to share location data centrally. This could be, uh, it's one of the worries that we're all um, mulling over at the moment is how will the methods uh, of surveillance being put into practice now in this important time um, for ensuring that the spread of the virus is stifled. How will these types of technologies be used in the future? And will certain countries across Europe um, compromise our erstwhile high uh, data protection and privacy standards 
in pursuit of wider legal enforcement provisions. And this is something that I think is only going to become more pertinent as we see the gradual rollout of these coronavirus applications across Europe. Elsewhere, coming back to the decentralised protocol actually adopted by Apple and Google, and the Electronic Frontier Foundation has warned this week that the new app created by Apple and Google could itself involve privacy trade-offs to standards that we're used to. So both approaches, both models, both the decentralised and centralised models of data storage and processing have their faults. Moving swiftly on now to 5G and the European Commission is under pressure to propose a revised action plan for 5G and 6G mobile telecommunications as a means to bolster the bloc's connectivity and this is according to a draft text from the Croatian presidency of the EU seen by Euractive. You can read more about that on our website. These references to 6G, they may appear to some as a bit premature but for me this is a strategic move. The bloc was well aware of being behind on other uh, generation mobile telecommunications networks and the development of such networks. And they're trying to get ahead of the debate now in terms of 6G and try, trying to really be able to control the narrative before it's um, appropriated for other means, as we have seen with 5G. The debate is intrinsically now a geopolitical one with 5G, whereas Many of the people actually interested in the technology itself would rather that it would be solely based on a technological narrative. Um, and the EU wants to kind of stay ahead of the curve in this regard. Moving on to the Digital Services Act now, which is the EU's bid to regulate the online ecosystem, covering everything from political advertising to disinformation to offensive content, etc., the DSA final parliamentary reports have landed. The latest one from the Civil Liberties MEP Chris Peters has just been published. Elsewhere, MEPs in the Legal Affairs Committee will debate Tiema Walken's draft report on the DSA on May the 7th. And for the Commission's part, there are other delays um, with regards to the DSA other than the fact that the proposal itself is not now expected until 2021, although that's still got to be confirmed officially. Um, but the public consultation on the plans, which was due to begin in March, is now more likely to be launched in May, late to end of May, according to a Commission official. Moving swiftly on to disinformation and the European External Action Service has denied media reports that it has toned down allegations made against China as part of a report into state-led disinformation campaigns following pressure from Beijing. And the EU's Foreign Affairs Chief Joseph Borrell will of course appear in front of Foreign Affairs MEPs in the European Parliament on Thursday afternoon, actually in a couple of hours. So he will be giving them an update on the whole situation there, which has created a bit of a fuss here in Brussels and I'm sure in Beijing as well. Speaking a bit more broadly now about the platforms, and a top official has been poached by Facebook from the UK's media watchdog, Ofcom. 
The move, of course, comes at a time in which the UK is readying broad legislation to crack down on offensive content online as part of its online harms proposals. Amazon now and French unions urge the company to resume activities gradually. In a joint statement released on Wednesday, the CGT, CFDT and SUD, three of France's largest groups of trade unions, have proposed that Amazon France's management gradually resume its activities after the US logistics giant closed its French centres until 5th of May. Moving over to Ireland, and US tech giant Google is to donate 1 million euros to Irish charities and community organisations to help them mitigate the economic fallout from the current public health crisis. Apparently half of the outlay will be dished out to local development organisations and charities, while the other half will go to NGOs focused on supporting job seekers and SMEs across Ireland. And we finished today's podcast with some media news and in Prague there has been a dispute with Russia over press freedom. We did fight for a free press and the end of censorship 30 years ago. It is not acceptable to let other states meddle with it, said Czech Foreign Minister Tomas Petriak in response to a diplomatic note obtained from Russia, reports Euraktiv's Aneta Zakova this week. Czech Weekly Respect has been accused by the Russian embassy in Prague of spreading fake news about the dangerous Russian agent that allegedly arrived in Prague. Elsewhere, threats and attacks against Serbian journalists multiply. The number of attacks against the media in Serbia, including death threats against journalists, went up in 2019, according to an annual report published by the Council of Europe's platform to promote the protection of journalism and safety of journalists. And you can read more about that report on the Euractive website. And just before I sign off this week, I would like to draw your attention to a virtual event that Euractive is holding next week on May the 8th. We're going to be joined by Maros Shevkovich, of course, Vice President of the European Commission, as well as Emma Navarro, Vice President of the European Investment Bank, Eva Kali, S&D MEP, member of the ITRA Committee, and Abraham Liu, Chief Representative to the EU Institutions at Huawei, to discuss uh, the idea of a new Marshall Plan for Europe and the role of ICT as part of the bloc's recovery efforts. You can find out a bit more information about the event online. Uh, Check it out, and hopefully you'll be able to join us next Friday. If not, not a problem. You'll hear from me again next Thursday.